Welcome, I'm Prudence Robertson, and this is EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. Make no mistake about it. If Congress passes a national ban, I will veto it. Focus on abortion. President Joe Biden and pro-abortion lawmakers used the annual State of the Union address for their own motives, including the killing of unborn babies. We take a look at the president's remarks and the guests the president welcomed into the halls of Congress with EWTN News Nightly's White House correspondent, Owen Jensen. Mr. Houck goes to Washington. Acquitted pro-life activist Mark Houck was in Washington, D.C. this week and plans to sue the FBI after a brutal dawn raid on his home. He joins us after a successful trial to share what he plans to do next. Given the boot, pro-life students were kicked out of the Smithsonian's Air and Space Museum on the day of the March for Life and say it was unjust. We get reaction from the mother of one of the students and her lawyer. This week, our self-proclaimed Catholic president, Joe Biden, issued his State of the Union address before Congress. Congress must restore the right that was taken away in Roe v. Wade and protect Roe v. Wade. Give every woman a constant right. Make no mistake about it. If Congress passes a national ban, I will veto it once again made clear his extremely pro-abortion stance. His remarks were met by applause at times from both sides of the aisle, but there were also some moments where certain Republicans shouted in disagreement with his words and called him a liar. Joining us now for analysis is EWTN News Nightly's White House correspondent, Owen Jensen. Owen, thanks so much for being here today. Pleasure to be here, Prudence. Great to see you. And by the way, keep up the terrific work you're doing on this show. Thank you so much, Owen. Let's talk about President Biden's speech last night. Mm -hmm. He held his second State of the Union address last evening, and he said once again that he wants to bring Roe versus Wade back and that he will veto laws to stop abortion. Talk to us more about his speech. Okay, so yeah, no, the speech was, I'm going to put my reporter glasses on here, and I've got my reporter <laughs> notes uh, spread out I here. I love it. Okay. Fantastic. So there's no question, they've been pushing the codify Roe, codify Roe. How many times have you heard that over the last seven months since uh, the, the uh, Dobbs decision came down, right? They want to codify Roe. There's no way it's going to happen. They wouldn't have the votes. That's number one. But they're going to sure. keep pushing that message to satisfy their base. Number two, um, you know, they, they, he said if, and this is the, from the speech last night, make no mistake about it, if Congress passes a national ban, I will veto it. Okay? That's not going to happen in either. They don't, there's, there's, no, there's not the votes for that either. So he, SBA, Pro-Life America, tweeting out after that. Biden's claim that Republicans want a national abortion ban is pure disinformation. They call them out right there on that. But that's, that's, that's the way they're going. They know that they, going, looking ahead to 2024 and then looking at the midterms, they know that message is resonating with uh, their base. They're going to keep at that. There's no doubt about that. Sure, yeah. And talk to me a little bit more about looking further into this year and into 2024. What do you think this speech signified about how President Biden is going to continue governing? Last night was a State of the Union speech, but I thought it was his first campaign speech for the 2024 season. He, he at times, was, uh, he was agitated at times, angry. He wanted to fight Republicans, I think, right up there. 
as he was speaking. And I know there's been some question about, what is he going to run, is he not going to run? And even the White House, White House hasn't said yet, well, he hasn't made up his mind yet, or he's kind of he's indicated he would. There's no question he is, all right? He, and he's, he's also fighting off Democrats who don't want him to run. Sure. So you can look at last night's speech, I, again, I believe, as his, as his way of saying, his opening salvo saying, I'm in this, uh, I'm in this for 2024. Um, you know, what I, when I, interesting, in the, the abortion uh, stuff that he spoke about, last night was sort of way down in the speech, about an hour in, right. um, a couple of paragraphs, and then he moved on. Sadly, do you see the standing ovations mm. he got, I mean, on abortion? You know, I just, that was kind of heartbreaking, yeah. right? That was heartbreaking. Um, but, you know, that's the way it's going to be from here on out until 2024. And uh, you can expect that to be front and center on the campaign trail, at least for, uh, for the Democrats. And it'll yeah. be very interesting to see how the Republicans respond to that. Yeah, that's very insightful. And shifting gears a bit, you recently asked the president a question, as you always do on the White House lawn and the briefing to. room. Great questions. Yeah. You recently talked to him about taxpayer funding of abortion. He had some interesting things to say about some bishops and even the Pope. So talk to me a little bit about your exchange. Yeah, no, absolutely. The whole thing was uh, 10 seconds. I've got it. Uh, where did I put that? Right here. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've got it. Um, the, the whole thing was about 10 seconds long. And I basically, I said to him, uh, sir, here's where did I put my notes here. I said, okay. I said, Catholic bishops are demanding that federal tax dollars not fund abortions. Right. And, right, and he, he, I, he I think I kind of caught him off guard because it wasn't really a question. It was a, it was a statement. And he says, no, they're not all doing that, nor is the Pope doing that. Again, I, and I was kind of like flustered for a little Stop. second, and I said, well, well, I'm thinking to myself, did I just hear what I said? And by that time, you know, he already moves on to the next question. It's, I mean, it's a, he's, his reporters and it's loud out there, and they're, they're all throwing it. There it is right there. So the, the, but what was interesting about that exchange, again, 10 seconds, and basically he's saying, no, not all bishops believe that. And, and again, scratching my head, but that got picked up on a lot of social media sites on, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, a lot of uh, conservative uh, uh, talk shows. I don't know if it made CBS or NBC or ABC. <laughs> I'm guessing not. Yeah. But it did make that also, it caught the, the attention of the USCCB, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, who wrote, basically saying earlier this week, they sent out a release after that exchange. President Biden responded to a reporter's question, that's me, about the, uh, their, about the bishops' opposition to taxpayer funding of abortion. Anyway, they go on to say, quote, the Catholic bishops of the United States are united in our commitment to life and will continue to work as one body in Christ to make abortion unthinkable. Going on to say, taxpayer funding of abortion would force people of good conscience to participate in this grave evil against their will. It would contradict our right to live in accord with the tenets of our faith. I, there's no clear distinction right there. I, I didn't get a chance to read that to the president. I'm hoping to in the near future. We'll see all that you know how that yeah. goes, Prudence. Yes, yeah, certainly. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for always asking such great questions. I know it's it's such a blessing to our viewers and to well, all of us. I'm, I'm, work, I'm working for the EWTN viewers, and thank goodness we have them because they're putting us in this position to ask those questions. That's right. And we're not leaving the White House North Lawn anytime soon. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, Owen Jensen. Okay, Prudence. Mark Houck, a pro-life activist who was acquitted of charges that he violated the FACE Act, has said he will sue the FBI for what several have described as an act of terror. Now that Houck has been acquitted, he's been able to share more details about what happened at his home that early September morning last year. Houck has explained that his seven children were terrorized by the scene. They had to watch their father be handcuffed, put in a police car, and violently arrested. Houck has also stated that he believes this would not have happened to him and is family if the Trump administration was still in office. Pro-life activist Mark Houck joins me now. 
Mark, hello and congratulations on the recent verdict from the jury. We at EWTN have been praying for you and, and we're really glad to welcome you onto the show today. Talk to me about why you've decided to sue the FBI. Well, thanks, Prudence, for the time and all glory be to God for the victory. And well, you know, the reason that we're going to pursue justice uh, in this way is because the government and the Department of, of Justice, FBI, need to be held accountable. Um, and and they need to know that they cannot discriminate based upon viewpoint. And uh, and that's really what, what was it, the issue here is that uh, because I was a pro-lifer, because it is post Roe v. Wade, all that, um, that they came after me in an overly aggressive way. We, we agreed that we would, would come into uh, the city of Philadelphia to present ourselves should we be indicted. And there was no need to put my children in danger. Uh, there was no need to intimidate, humiliate, and scare, potentially harm my children and terrorize my family. Sure. And Mark, I want to focus on what you said to those agents that morning before they arrested you. You said, I know why you're here. You're here because I rescue babies. Mark, why have you chosen these abortion mills as your battlefield? Well, uh, it's the primary battlefield of the day, if we can use that, that terminology. Uh, it's, it's, it's a fight that is the most important. And, um, and we engage in, in that battle in a spiritual way. It's a spiritual fight. And, and we know that there's powers and principalities involved in the evil of abortion. And so we take our weapon, our rosary, our prayers and our fasting and our, our charisms to help women and men in a difficult situation. And so uh, it, all life and everything begins with uh, in the womb. So if we don't get that right, uh, we're all in danger. And mm -hmm. so we have to begin there as the primordial battle of the day. Yeah. And Mark, I'm sure it's not easy to think back on this, but would you share with me and our viewers how those FBI agents treated you after the arrest, once they had taken you into custody? Sure. Happy to do it. Um, the journey, the journey was uh, was a difficult one, but the, we rejoiced in the, in the trial and the persecution. So, um, I was taken to the federal building in Philadelphia, about a hundred yards away from uh, uh, Independence Hall, where our, our rights were established. And so, um, when I got to uh, to the federal building, I was shackled in my belly, shackled in my feet, and chained to a table for six plus hours. Um, I don't know if that's normal standard procedure or not. Didn't doesn't seem to be, but nonetheless, uh, we will be learning more about that over the coming months. And then I was transferred uh, to the U.S. Marshals in, a, in the same fashion, uh, shackled. When they were at my house, they didn't allow me to put any clothes on. They didn't allow me to to get socks on. They didn't allow me to say goodbye to my wife and my children. Um, it, it was it was done in a way to humiliate, as I said intimidate and instill fear and mm. especially in fear in pro-life america mm. so shocking what you went through thank you for sharing it with us and and mark i know you were here in dc this week and attended president biden's state of the union speech what were your thoughts on it and do you have plans to return to our nation's capital and, and keep working with members of congress to share your story sure so we met many last night and and there's many people who apologized many of the congressmen and women that i met apologize that meant a lot um we will be interviewing with the the judiciary committee that is in charge of the oversight 
for uh, the weaponization of, of the FBI and the over, and the overreach of the government on February 22nd. So I will be in the process of interviewing so that we can move towards testimony uh, before a larger committee uh, that would consist of both Democrats and, and Republicans uh, asking questions. Mm. And so we're hopeful that that will happen, that we'll get that opportunity to to shed light, to, to really share the 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 information that needs to be heard, and um, God willing, you know, with a good civil rights attorney, we can move towards the process of of exposing this injustice. Mm. Well, Mark, we're so grateful for your powerful and courageous witness. Thanks so much for joining us, and, and God bless you, Mark Hauk, pro life activist. God bless you. Thank you. A nurse who works for the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs could lose her job due to her pro-life beliefs, but she's fighting for her rights in court. Stephanie Carter could be forced to kill unborn children due to new federal mandates requiring the VA to provide abortions to military veterans. One of Carter's lawyers wrote in an op-ed at Fox News that the Biden administration has a history of, quote, wielding its own powers to appease its political base to the detriment of religious Americans. And that lawyer is Danielle Runyon. She joins us now and serves as senior counsel at First Liberty Institute. Hi, Danielle. Thanks for being here. Can you start by explaining how your team became aware of Ms. Carter's case and how you're helping her now? So First Liberty Institute, we are an organization that's dedicated to restoring religious liberty for all Americans. So we have a number of people from across the country who reach out to us on a daily basis. Uh, Ms. Carter was one of those individuals. And uh, when we looked at what was going on, uh, we decided that this was uh, an important issue to defend her religious rights in light of the fact that the Biden administration has implemented a rule uh, against uh, what Congress has prohibited for the past 30 years, which is for the VA to provide abortion services uh, at VA facilities. That just simply has not been allowed. Um, the rule was illegally implemented and is now being enforced at the facility where Ms. Carter works here in Texas uh, in an illegal manner. Ms. Carter should not be forced to have to leave her job as a nurse practitioner uh, to accommodate the VA. Sure. And one of our nation's founding principles is freedom of religion. How did we get to this point where it seems as if people of faith are being attacked left and right simply because they want to have jobs that allow them to remain true to their conscience? I mean, you mentioned people are reaching out to you every day. I think that just over the course of time, uh, we've just seen religious liberty rights. Uh, it's just devolved into a situation where um, others believe that uh, their rights trump religious liberty rights. We saw with the Clinton administration, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, uh, it was passed with overwhelming bipartisan support, which is what I comment on in the op-ed. And from there, we've just seen since then, religious Americans, their rights have just been trampled. We've seen that most recently under the Biden administration. We've seen that through the pandemic. We've seen federal employees, even private employees, be coerced and, and threatened with the loss of their jobs and their livelihoods being unable to potentially feed their families, um, to, to comply, being forced to comply with requirements that simply just are, are, are unconstitutional. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Danielle, talk to me about how people can help people like Stephanie Carter who are going through this. And for religious Americans ourselves, how can we protect ourselves from, from these attacks against, against the beliefs that we hold to be true? Well, to answer your first question, people can support Ms. Carter through prayer. Um, that is something that we ask. And also going to firstliberty.org, where you can see all of the good work that we do 
and understand the issues uh, and the challenges that our clients are facing across the board. Um, but you know, Ms. Carter, she uh, she's in a situation where we're, we're seeing so many Americans. Um, we see like with our Navy SEALs case, um, where we see uh, service members who are defending their rights to just remain employed, to remain in the service. Ms. Carter, she is defending her rights to remain employed. If if people would just stand up, and what we've seen, what I've seen over the past year and a half is people are largely afraid that if they speak up, they're going to lose their jobs. But they're they're afraid because they've been told in many cases by their employers that if they do speak up, that is going to be a reason for them to get fired. Um, so I would encourage people to uh, come to us, talk to us, but also stand up for your rights. Don't don't sit and suffer in silence because it's amazing when people come together, like we've seen with the Navy SEALs and now across the services, when thousands of people stick together, it's amazing what changes can be made mm. and, and how we can preserve religious liberty rights across the board. Yeah, well, thank you for saying that, Danielle. You never know who's listening and might have needed to hear exactly what you just said. Thanks so much for joining us and for all the work that you're doing at First Liberty Institute. God bless you. Thank you very much. Coming up, we'll take a look at the most recent way Hollywood elites have chosen to glorify evil and threaten the innocence of young children. I speak out next. And kicked out. A group of pro-life students were forced out of a DC museum on the day of the March for Life. Find out why after the break. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Hollywood's woke culture continues to glorify evil, most recently and scandalously at the annual Grammy Awards. That is this week's Speak Out segment. What was on display at this year's Grammy Awards was simply unconscionable. A performance by Sam Smith and transgender artist Kim Petras, who is a biological male, was described by many as satanic. The two artists went on to receive an award for their song called Unholy, which glorifies same-sex attraction and transgenderism. Petras was lauded by all in attendance, Taylor Swift, Jennifer Lopez, Olivia Rodrigo, and others, because he is the first transgender to receive the award. It's scary to think about the the fact that these demonic displays were at the fingertips of millions this week, including young children who are so innocent and impressionable. It's a shame to see what's become of the music industry. Whatever happened to good-hearted music? We need to highlight and promote wholesome, talented artists who want to share the good, true, and the beautiful. We need music that uplifts instead of glorifying evil. Let's pray for those caught up in the industry and for those trying to reform it. Let's help them be the light. And for this week's Pro-Life Focus, a group of six students were kicked out of the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum on the day of the March for Life. Why? Because they were wearing pro-life hats that said, Rosary Pro-Life. It's been recounted by lawyers at the American Center for Law and Justice that the staff at the museum yelled profanities at the kids and forced them to leave, claiming that the federal building was a, quote, neutral zone. The Smithsonian did issue a statement saying, asking visitors to remove hats and clothing is not in keeping with our policy or protocols. 
Joining me now is Christina Mills, the mother of one of the children who was kicked out of the museum, and her lawyer, Olivia Summers, Senior Litigation Counsel at the American Center for Law and Justice. Ladies, thanks so much for joining me today. Christina, I can't imagine how hearing this news must have made you feel on the day of the March for Life. Can you explain what happened that day from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So uh, we were at uh, the March for Life. I was chaperoning a group of students from my daughter's school, and uh, we had just finished the march. And it was a wonderful, actually, it was a really beautiful experience. And we were tired. And uh, before we went back to our hotel, we decided to take in the sites of DC. And our group split up into smaller groups, and some of us um, went to the Air and Space Museum. So. Uh, that's where the story basically starts, is at the Air and Space Museum. Uh, we stood in line, and uh, immediately upon entering, um, there's a checkpoint where, you know, you put your backpacks, and they check your, your, your purses and backpacks and stuff. And at that point, we were asked to remove our hats. And here's the hat, right? It says pro-life, right? Um, it's not like a very, you know, it's not, you know, anything, you know, uh, you know, controversial. Sure. Uh, so I didn't think anything of it. I just removed the hat because I associated it with the checkpoint and I thought it was some security reason. So I removed the hat and me and my, uh, the students that were with me just went on to enjoy the exhibit at the museum. And um, after touring a while, we um, kind of met up with some other students uh, over by the escalator and they were very upset. They came to me and they said that um, two security personnel from the museum had asked them to remove their hats. And this time they said, why? And I was just shocked because they they clearly said that the reason they wanted to, them to remove their pro-life hats was because of the pro-life message. Um, so nothing to do with security. Um, it had to do with the message of pro-life. And I was extremely upset. I thought, how dare they? What an overreach, you know, to target these, these students, right? Um, I looked around, I didn't see um, the security personnel at that time, but I told the students, mm -hmm. if they come back, you say no. And I promptly put back my, I had taken my hat off, so I put it right back on. And I say they have no, they had no right to do this. I'm clearly thinking about our First Amendment rights, you know, right. and um I don't know. So that's basically what happened wow. um, from my perspective. Wow. Unbelievable. And Olivia, the museum staff said they kicked the kids out of what they labeled a, quote, neutral zone. Was that claim at all legitimate? No, actually, I don't know what they mean by the term neutral zone. Uh, this is this question has come up uh, asking me what that means. A neutral zone to me would be where the law was equally applied to everybody. Uh, we're aware the students uh, saw people in the museum who had other expressive apparel on, pride apparel, uh, that also have a statement. They put out a statement to other people. So the term neutral zone doesn't really mean a whole lot. And um, in this instance, it wasn't neutral. Yeah. And Olivia, I understand that a spokesperson for the Smithsonian did apologize for asking the kids to remove their hats, but, but is that really enough? What legal action are you taking on behalf of these students who were harassed, and what must be done to ensure that they're going to be treated justly moving forward? Right. No, that's not enough. I appreciate that they put out a statement. Obviously, they have a PR uh, need to do that. 
but we filed a lawsuit on behalf of these students and parents on Monday evening. So we're pursuing legal action to make sure that the Smithsonian is held accountable and that this does not happen again and to get to the bottom of why it did happen in the first place. Sure. And Christina, we have about 90 seconds left, but I just want to ask you quickly, what did you say to your daughter upon hearing what had happened and how are you encouraging her and her friends to stay true to what they believe in through all of this? Well, I was super proud of my daughter and I was super proud of all of the students because they had their pocket constitution and they pulled it out and they were speaking politely, you know, to um, the security um, people there. And um, they stood up for their rights. Um, they know what's in the constitution because that's what we teach in our school. So I would just like to tell everybody, like, what's in your school? Hopefully they're teaching the Constitution and what our First Amendment rights are. And now we have to take it further, right? Because we need to get to the root of this kind of toxicity mm. that's prevalent in um, federal organizations and um, root it out because it's a cancer and um, we shouldn't stand for it anymore. So that's my message to the students. Don't roll over at all. Um, you know, we have these rights, okay? Yeah. And the neutral zone is not in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Christina, you're a good mom, and those are some brave kids. Thank you so much both to you, Christina, and to you, Olivia, for joining us today. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing ProLifeWeekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.